0: This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus.
1: It's one thing to be informed of important news. It's something altogether different to have understanding. Why? So in today's program, we're going to get the what and the why as we continue to learn the Gospel of Matthew. Our series is titled, The Kingly Messiah understanding the gospel of matthew part one a verse-by-verse audio commentary part of our larger understanding the bible series we're learning the parables of jesus and the amazing insight that he gives but not everybody is privy to that insight and in fact many will be utterly in the dark not because it's the lord's fault it has to do with the nature of the soil of our hearts if our hearts are good We will not only hear God's word, we will understand it, apply it, and be blessed. But if our hearts are shallow, distracted, full of stones, full of thorns, bad attitudes, bad everything, then the truth will come, and it will go, and we will still be in the dark. Now, that is a scenario we want to do everything in our power to avoid, just like a traffic accident is something you do everything in your power to avoid. But this is even far more serious than any traffic accident. This has to do with life today as well as eternity in the days ahead. So let's listen carefully to God's Word. We're going to have here in this lesson the parable of the terrors explained. We already heard the parable in the last lesson, and now we're going to get insight from Jesus. You see, Jesus doesn't give the explanation to the multitudes the casual inquirers. Jesus explains and grants understanding to the diligent seekers, those that are following him, those that have left everything to follow him, those that have paid the price of discipleship. And I constantly emphasize this whole thing of discipleship because it's the core of the Great Commission. We're not commanded to make converts of all nations, but to make disciples. Obviously, a disciple is a convert, but they're more than that. They have wisely heeded the call of Jesus to follow him with a whole heart at all times. There is a cost to discipleship because we basically practice self denial, cross bearing, and then we follow Jesus, which is absolutely the antithesis of what this world teaches. This world teaches deception, self centeredness, lust, and greed. What about me? All about me. It's a recipe. For disaster. But that's the way the world's going. It's heading for disaster. Yet, for the disciple of Jesus, it's a very different scenario. Since we're not of the world, we don't get pulled down by the world. And because we're following him, we never, ever lack light. We are always walking with him. He is the light of the world. Darkness is not our companion. And while we won't necessarily have a trouble free ride, We will have ever-increasing light, we will have God's presence, we will have God's promises, we will have God's blessing. So, Jesus is going to explain the parable of the tares. And let's take a look here. He says, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. That's verse 37 of Matthew 13. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. You know, it's amazing. Jesus actually, in what, two verses, explains this important parable. Because the parable not only deals with life today, but it deals with the reality we call the end of the world. Now, when we talk about the end of the world, we're not talking about the end of planet Earth. We're talking about the end of the world system, known in Greek as cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, cosmos, the world order. And basically, it's a transition period, these, this day of the Lord, the end of the world, from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of Christ. It's a new cosmos where righteousness finds its true home. All right, now we're going to read the entire section of Matthew thirteen verses thirty six to forty six. Our lesson is called Parable of the Terrors Explained, and again the reference is Matthew chapter thirteen, verses thirty six to forty six. Let's listen to the word of the Lord. Then Jesus sent the multitude away, and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying. Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels." As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto the treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. Our reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 36 to 46, and the lesson is called The Parable of the Tares Explained. Well, first of all, we have a please explain, coming from the disciples of Jesus to the Master himself. Because after he sent the multitude away, having heard several parables, we call them agricultural parables, Jesus had the full attention of the twelve, and he told the parable of the wheat and tares, and they wanted an explanation. this seeking for understanding would be richly rewarded. That's why, as I've done before, I quoted proverbs four verse seven: "Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Well, praise God for all that now, first of all, the wheat and the tares." You have a man sowing wheat in his field, good soil, good seed, and the wheat takes hold and begins to grow. But the enemy comes in and sows tares with the wheat. When the wheat springs up, so does the tares. They're basically next door neighbors and side by side. So the servants of the farmer, the master, say, Didn't you sow good seed? So why? Are there tares? And he discerned that the reason there were tares, and tares are not necessarily weeds, weeds, they are a corrupt form of wheat. He says, an enemy's done this, so shall we pull them out now, these tares? No, 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 leave them alone, because you might injure the wheat at the same time. As I tried to explain, if God doesn't take immediate action to the evil in a world now, it's because it's for the sake of the righteous, that they don't get harmed while he's pouring out his righteous wrath. So then, what do we do? Well, the master says, wait until the harvest. And then you'll be able to see clearly. The reapers will come. They will sort out the wheat from the tares. The tares will be burned. The wheat will be gathered into the barn. All right? That's the parable. What's the explanation? Matthew 13, Thirty-seven. The one who sowed the good seed in the field is no one less than the Son of Man. It's Jesus. Jesus not only is good, Jesus ministers what is good. He goes around doing good. And the seed that Jesus gives, which is God's word, is good, always. And here's the concise explanation, verses 38 and 39. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, the disciples. The tares are the children of the wicked one, Pharisees, scribes, and other opponents of Christ. The devil is the enemy who sowed the tares into the field. The harvest represents the end of the world, and the angels are the reapers. Now, just a little correction here. In the parable of the sower, the seed that is sown is God's word. In the parable of the wheat and tares, the seed is people, Our people, the, the children of the kingdom. All right, now, the end of the world. This is rather a disturbing kind of phrase. I remember as a child watching a secular television program, a daytime program. And it was in the United States where I was born and raised. But the program, even though it was secular, I'll never forget where the guest on the program said to the host, well, you know that the end of the world is coming. End of the world. I was really nervous there. Bear in mind, I wasn't yet a Christian. I probably was, what, eight or nine, ten years old, maybe a little older, but not much. What intrigued me, it wasn't just that the guest talked about the end of the world. It was the host of the program who nodded his head and said, yes, the end of the world is coming, and it's coming soon. Well, I'm telling you, I was all ears, but they didn't elaborate. They didn't mention Christ or Bible or church or prophecy of any kind. I have since come to learn that the end of the world is actually not the end of everything. It's the end of this current world order, this cosmos, this K-O-S-M-O-S, this yeah, adorning arrangement, humanly speaking, where Revelation 11.15 comes into play. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. This is the end of the world. It's the end of the order as we know it, but it's not the end of existence. It's not the end of the planet. It's not the end of righteousness. In fact, it's the very beginning of a kingdom that has no end. So for the believer, the end of the world is something to look forward to. But for those that reject God, the end of the world really is the end. So this is what happens to the tares. The tares, which represent children of the wicked one, will be gathered and burned in the fire. Obviously, this is a metaphor of what will happen to the wicked at the end of this age. And then it goes on from there. Verse 41 of Matthew 13. The Son of Man will send out the angels. They will first of all gather the tares, and he uses the phrase, those things that offend and all who do iniquity. Offending means to cause someone to stumble, to trip them up. You want a good illustration of that? Read Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1 speaks about offending people, about tripping them up. Proverbs 4 does the same. The way of the wicked is an offensive way. It's darkness. People will stumble. They will injure themselves. They will, in some cases, be destroyed. And the gatekeepers and those that maintain the way of the wicked, that's why they exist to cause people to stumble and fall. This is what we call being offended. It also means to be grievously hurt and tied in knots and to be triggered and to be indignant. That's also what it means to be offended. And it's the same thing. One stumbles when that happens. I come from a culture, or, you know, my ancestors come from a culture that is very gracious, very warm-hearted, very hospitable, but easily, easily offended. In fact, that's the Asian way. From Beirut to Beijing, cultured, family values, warm-hearted, and offended. Thin-skinned, onion-skinned, and I'm telling you, it's a miserable way to live. If you want to have a long face all the time, and, and your teeth never see the light of day for all the frowning. Just stay offended. Or you can do the right thing. Practice forgiveness, forgetfulness, hide the word of God in your heart. Practice Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That's a great verse. Psalm 119, verse 165. So all things that are offended, all these things, they will be taken and they will be burned in the furnace of fire. Matthew 13, 42. In this place, there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is a horrifying description of hell itself and is used more than once in the Gospels. Why do you think Jesus came to this planet? It's to actually spare us this experience of wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's why he's called a savior. Let's not blame him for the problem. Let's see him as the solution to the problem because he is truly verse 43 shining like stars while the tares are burning the wheat is shining in the kingdom of God the father whoever has ears to hear it is now time to listen carefully to hear and to obey now the parable of the treasure in the field verse 44 the kingdom of heaven is likened to hid treasure in a field If a man finds this treasure, his first instinct is to hide it. Then he goes, sells all that he has, and buys the field. That's a smart move. And then you have the pearl of great price. Matthew 13, 45. This is another famous parable, and in fact, it's become an idiom of the English language. The pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man who's looking for great pearls. Once he has found the pearl of great price... He goes, sells everything that he has, and obtains it. Now, that's why we liken God's kingdom, the biblical Christian spiritual life, spirit-filled living, the Word of God. All these coalesce together to be the pearl of great price. And it's just too wonderful and costly to delay. Giving up everything else so we can have this wonderful kingdom, this pearl of great price, is a wise thing to do. It means to have single-minded spiritual devotion. It means to put God first and his kingdom first and his righteousness first. That's Matthew 6, verse 33. And when you do that, far from having this austere, ascetic, joyless, grim existence, on the contrary, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so our lesson is called the parable of the terrors explained. And our lesson for life is, those who make the kingdom of God their sole focus will have much fruit and no regrets. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, giving future-ready advice at your inbox with articles from the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you in Jesus' name that you give understanding and explanations to so many key things. Lord, we want to take hold of the pearl of great price, which is you and your kingdom, and Victorious Christian Living and the blessings galore. We recognize it's not a trouble-free existence But you promised us in Psalm 91 you would be with us in trouble. You would deliver us and honor us. And for this we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.